song became a huge hit throughout World War I, giving our soldiers hope and reminding them of home while fighting on the other side of the world. And this song today still brings people joy and childhood memories every time they sing it. Everyone knows the song. If you don't know the song, you're an anomaly. And uh, so everybody knows it. Everybody sing it. There's just something special about singing, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, especially when you live in California or Texas. And uh, now there's mountains in California where they can get some snow. But how many know for us to get snow in Texas is just a rare, rare, rare occurrence. And it's not happening on Christmas. Usually January, February. I've never had a white Christmas. Not, not me. I'm in Beaumont. We didn't get that snow y'all got. And, uh, and so I've never had a white Christmas. And so, you know, everybody wants to have a white Christmas. Of course, the people up north wish they'd have a sunny Christmas just like what we have. They hate the snow because they deal with it every single day. And uh, so what a great song. And it, it's kind of rudimentary to where we're going today. It's, it's going to help us lay a foundation. And I know it's a secular song. Don't get caught up in that. And, uh, and it's okay. We can still sing and have memories and have fun. God redeems everything. And uh, so we're believing he redeemed the song today. And my prayer for you today is that he redeems you also. Because the only chance we have of actually having a white Christmas is in the famous Bible verse where it says, He washes us white as, as snow. That's right. And so we've talked about over the last few weeks, we've talked about a silver Christmas, and we've talked about a blue Christmas, and our first week silver Christmas, we talked about being generous and, and giving, how the wise men came and they gave, and they worshipped, and when they worshipped and they gave, the Holy Spirit allowed them to go home a different way and to avoid Herod. And when you, you, you open something up in your life, when you worship and when you give, it allows you to go home different than you came. And then we talked about a blue Christmas, how not everybody in the world has a happy Christmas. Not everything's joyous. Christmas, for some people, is the most painful time of the year. In fact, if you ask 45% of Americans if they were given a choice, they said they would say they would just prefer to skip Christmas altogether. Isn't that sad? Would prefer to skip Christmas altogether. One in three Americans go completely over the limits and go into debt at Christmas. And so there's a pressure that we feel at Christmas time. But Jesus didn't come to give us pressure. He didn't come for any of these reasons. He came so that we could have joy and have it more abundantly. And today we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about, we want to end this series on a high note today. Today we're talking about a white Christmas. And it's not just a dream we have in Texas to have a white Christmas. But with God, it's a possibility. With God, it's a promise. That we can have a white Christmas. That we can leave this place today different than we came, washed white as snow. In Isaiah 1.18 it says, Come, now let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them white as wool. The entire intent for Christmas and for Jesus coming 
was so that we could be saved and so that we could once again be in communion with God. I looked up the word this week, redeem. We got an echo here, Colin. Can you help me? Maybe I'll move forward or back. Or Is that better? Better now? Okay. The word redeem means an action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for a payment. The clearing of a debt. It means absolution. So I'm absolutely possible, absolutely positive that it's possible for you to have complete absolution in your life. To have complete peace and joy in this season in your life. There's three Greek words that are used for redeem or for redemption. If you take away something from this service today, I'm going to make you a little bit of a Bible scholar, okay? The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. And if you know these two things, you're smarter than about 95% of the Christians in America today. And so there's, there's three words in the New Testament that, that, that they use for the word redeem or redemption that's from the Greek. And the first one is Apolutrosis. I'm going to say it wrong now. I said it right in my office all week long. Apolutrosis. Okay? And the word apo means losing from. And the word lutrosis means delivering from. Okay? So it means losing and delivering. So there has to be a loss in order for there to be a deliverance. You get what I'm saying here? You have to give up some stuff in order for God to deliver you to where he wants to take you. You have to be willing to let go of some things in your life. The second word, and this, this verse, the first word used from Ephesians 1.7, we're going to cover that in just a second, but the second word is agorazo, and it means to buy back from slavery. And this word, it's a marketplace term. And when a person would buy a slave from an auction with the idea of freeing them, that's what this word means. It means to completely free them, to set them free from all they've been held captive from. And so, in other words, God's idea when he redeemed you was, was to, to let you lose things, to let things fall off of you, to free you, and to take you out of a slavery that you were known to take you out of a life where you were bound and you were oppressed and completely wash you white as snow and completely set you free. That's what the word of God, the original intent of the word was. The third word that's used is excarazo. And Paul uses it in Colossians 5 with the idea of redeeming your time or buying back the time that would be wasted. In other words, when God says he wants to redeem you, it means he wants to completely restore you. He wants to take and loose things off of you, set you totally free, and he wants to buy you out of the slavery that you were sold into the minute you were born because of the sin that Adam had in his life, and he wants you to be able to let it all go. And he wants to redeem the time that you have lost in your life. Is that not great or what? He wants to completely restore everything about you. There is a rebirth that happens when we find Jesus. Jesus came into this world for more than just to have a holiday where we get gifts and we get candy canes and we, have, we sing Kumbaya around the fireplace and 
joy to the world. It's more than that. There's truly joy in his presence. In fact, the original, the original Chris, reason we celebrate Christmas is people come to me usually every year and say, Pastor, isn't Christmas a pagan holiday? And I, yes, it is. It, aren't Christmas trees pagan items? And I say, yes, they are. See, but it's about what you believe and how you take things. The, the, first, the first holidays in the Christmas season around December were to celebrate winter solstice. It was, it was to celebrate a sun god that they called Saturnella. And they called the holiday Saturnella and they would celebrate it. And in fact, in some parts of the, in, in some parts of the world, they would they'd celebrate by, they, they cut down a huge log and they would set it on fire. And they would actually, it was the time of the year where all the beer had been fermented. It was a time of the year where they were going into a hard winter season. And uh, so they didn't want all the cows and all the livestock to make the journey because they had to feed them. So they'd butcher a lot of the cows and what, you know, all the beer's done, all the beef's done, party. And so they would light this huge log on fire, and that's where a yuletide log comes from. And they'd light this huge log on fire, and they would set it on fire, and it would normally burn for 8 to 12 days. And they would have this drunken party. And they would do anything they want. And, and in, in the Roman Empire, when they, where they, sat, they celebrated Saturnella, they would actually sing carols down the streets in the nude and all kinds of crazy stuff. But around 529 A.D., the Catholic... No, y'all cannot do that. Uh, <laughs> around 529, I'm giving you the, the real history of Christmas here. Around, the, around 529 A.D., the church came together, and they were tired of all of these things. And so the church came, came, came together, and they came up with a plan to make the holiday more holy. They came, they came together and said, instead of a festival, let's make it a holy day. And holy day is where we arrived the term holiday. So when somebody, don't get offended when somebody says happy holiday, in their ignorance, they're, they're, instead of saying Christmas, they think they're getting away with something, when actually they're saying happy Hol holy day. Happy holy day is what they're saying. Because they're too ignorant to know that holiday actually means holy day. And so it's okay. Just say, yes, it is a happy holy day. My Jesus was born on this day. And he lives forevermore. So, so don't get offended by that. It's all okay. It's all good. They're saying it's a holy day. So they decided to turn the festivals into a holy day. And they made it all about the birth of Christ. And in the early church, in the Jewish traditions, it was actually offensive to, to celebrate birth. They, they celebrate death only. And that's why we had Easter before we had Christmas. And so this was all a new thing that they came up with to celebrate. And so if they can redeem this holiday from worshiping a sun god to worshiping the son of God, I'm okay with it. See, because if you want to ban Christmas trees and you want to ban, ban Christmas, you need to ban all the presents and Santa Claus and all the singing and everything else. And you know what? I'm good with it because my Jesus deserves a holy day. 
My Jesus deserves a holiday where we can celebrate his birth and we can celebrate his resurrection. And so it's okay. We're going to be studying now the book of Isaiah. We've already read one passage. We're going to read more today. Isaiah is a very prophetic book. It was written by a prophet. And most of the scripture in Isaiah is this prophet prophesying over the early church. And they don't even really get what he's saying. That's how prophecy works sometimes. Sometimes people say something, well, I totally don't understand that this, this, this time. I cannot see where I'm going to do this, this, or this. But accept it because prophecy is a great thing. Prophecy does four things. Prophecy unlocks purpose in your life. Prophecy unlocks vision in your life. Prophecy unlocks and gives per promise. And prophecy unlocks hope. In 1 Timothy 1.18, it says, With accordance with the prophecies given to you, by them you can wage the good warfare. In other words, with prophecy in our lives, we can wage good warfare because there's promises, there's vision, there's dreams, there's, there's things that God has told us about our life that moves us forward. And so today, as I'm reading Isaiah, I want to come alive in you today. See, this is the, the book that the prophet foretold of his coming. This is the book that they're quoting when they say he, it was foretold that Jesus would be born. It's foretold that he would do this. It's foretold that he would do that. All of it was foretold before Jesus ever was on the scene. But Isaiah needed to give the church hope. And so he spoke words out there, words that would come to pass. And those words are still alive today. And my hope is on this Christmas Sunday that you would allow these prophecies that I'm about to speak over you to become life in you. That these prophecies I'm about to speak over you, that you would receive them and walk in them. Because it's how we wage our warfare. In Isaiah 9, 1 through 7, Isaiah said, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road, which runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. First of all, God's saying, God is saying through Isaiah, there's coming a time when there's somebody coming to Galilee. See, Jesus was of Nazareth, which is in Galilee. There's, there's somebody coming in Galilee who's going to fill this place with his glory. And the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness and light will shine. I will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people rejoice. They will rejoice before as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. And you will break the oppressor's rod. Just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warriors and the uniform bloodstained by war will all be burned. And this will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and his peace will never end. 
He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestors David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. See, God sent Jesus to do some specific things just for you and just for me. First of all, we talked about his glory. He sent Jesus. He was born to fill the place that you live with glory. And you say, well, how is that so, Pastor? Well, when he lives in your heart, everywhere you go, his glory goes with you. Number two, he came to bring light to the darkness in your life. Take and be light everywhere you go. You, how you do this? Well, you take him everywhere that you go. Turn the dark places into light by putting him in these places in your life. We say, well, Pastor, I have a problem in this area of my life. Put Jesus in the center of that area, and there will be light, and his glory will travel and go with you. And uh, number three, I want you to receive this as a church. He came to enlarge your territories. There are promises, and there are things in your life that God wants to do that are bigger than you can dream. I want to, this is a good word for you today. Enlarge your territories. We're fixing to enter in January. We're going to go into 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I want you to be praying with me. Uh, I found out in the last couple of weeks that uh, uh, the Cradle Conservancy of Texas owns this property right behind the apartments over here. They bought it for $10 years and years and years ago. There's back taxes on it, but they don't have to pay them because they're a nonprofit. We're a nonprofit. Well, the cradle gives property to towns and, park, uh, towns and cities for parks. And we're believing God that they'll give it to us for a church. And uh, so y'all be praying with me. We're, we're believing that God's going to enlarge our territories. This word's for our church. This word is for you. It says clearly right up here that he will enlarge the nation of Israel. I'm believing that God will enlarge our nation, enlarge our territory as a church. It's a promise. This is a prophetic word for where we're going in this next season, this next year. They bought it for $10. I will happily give them their $10 back. And uh, I'm believing God that he's going to do something. It says in the word, he will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burdens from their soldier, from their soldier. I can't speak today. The shoulders. My wife's going to make fun of me when I get home. He came to break things off of your life. There's something you've been fighting this last year. Don't wait to New Year's Eve to make a resolution. Don't wait. There's no better day than today to let things get broke off of your life. He came to break things off of your life. He will take things off of our life if we allow him to do it. He came to break the authority of the one who oppresses you. It says he came to break the rod of the oppressor. He came to take care of that stinking devil for you and me. He broke his authority and he gave it to you. Look, this is a true, true, true statement in your life if there ever is one. And you can write this down. Go ahead, write it down. The devil only has authority in my life that I give him. He only has the authority in your life that you give him. And you're saying, well, this don't sound much like a Christmas message this morning. Jesus came to bring hope. He came to bring life. And he came to bring joy and restoration. That's what we're talking about today. And so, number seven, he came to bring you peace and joy. Well, what is joy in our lives? 
I get joy by giving. Brings my heart, just makes my heart full to give to somebody else. I love to bless people. I love to give more than I even love to receive. I love to give. And so we have a little acronym of what joy stands for. Ethan's going to throw that up. If you put Jesus first in your life, then others, then yourself, that's a secret for joy right there. That is, a, that is a true way to have joy in your life. And number eight, most of all, he came to save us. Like I said a little bit earlier, there, there's Greek and there's Hebrews, the way the Bible was written. And in, in, in back in the early, early A.D. period, King James brought this group of guys together, a wonderful group of guys, and he says, I want y'all to translate the Greek and the Hebrew into the King James Bible. And so he gets these guys together in a room, and they, they, they translate the whole Bible from Hebrew and from Greek, all these scholars, these guys who are way smarter than me, and they translate. Imagine having to translate a whole book, this whole book. And so they do it with fervency, and they do it the best way they know how. And that's, that's what, that's what our, every version we get today comes from. And they translate it. But some of these guys, as the years have gone by, have progressed in their translations. They've went back to the original Greek and the, new, and the original Hebrew, and they wrote new versions. And some of them have different meaning than the King James. And you say, well, is this a bad thing? I said, no, not, not necessarily. Some of it's very good. Some of it's okay. We take and leave what we like. But I want to read three different versions of Luke 2.14 to you real quick. In Luke 2.14, it says, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. Was this peace and goodwill for all men? That's what the King James says. Let's look at the NLT. NLT says, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And then we look at the NIV, and it says, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. So my question for you today is, is peace and goodwill for everyone? Or is it just for some? It's something to think about. Is this promise of peace for everyone? And so I thought about it this week. You know, there's choices that we, we have to make in our lives. We, first of all, we have to accept the gift that God gave us. It says, for he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave us Jesus, but we have to accept him. Do we, do we just instantly get peace and goodwill? Do you know people without Jesus that have peace? There's, I don't know many. I don't know many that live without a God that have true peace and joy and satisfaction. Uh, Hollywood looks like they're, they've got it all made. They're making millions. Everything's good. But I still see their marriages and falling apart on every magazine cover. And I still see... See Hollywood actors who, who are committing suicide and overdosing and Hollywood actors who have to get an injection to go to sleep. And Do they have peace and goodwill? Was it really for all men? I know as for me, I want peace and favor in my life. 
And I know how to get it. There's only one way. And he was born 2,000 years ago. And his name is Jesus. He gives us peace. And he gives us favor. And our Bible tells us about who this is for in Ephesians 1.7. It says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us for adoption. You were predestined for adoption as sons through Christ Jesus, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace in which he has been blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption, there's that word again, through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. In other words, you were predestined for adoption. You were predestined to be redeemed. To be set free from slavery. You know what the word predestined mean? Before you were destined. Before you were ever thought about by your mama. God had adopted you. Before you were ever a dream. God had a plan for your life. Before you were ever even thought about. Before your mama and daddy even knew each other. He had predestined a purpose just for you. He had adopted you as his son before you were ever thought about. Yesterday we went to Kids Harbor. And uh, there's a group of about 20 of us and we went and we brought 40 stockings. This is what our church did. You can celebrate with us. Y'all were part of this. We brought 40 stockings full of gifts and we let the kids decorate their stockings and then they were going to stuff them later. And Christmas Eve, there's kids in this community that live in an orphanage called Kids Harbor who will be opening gifts and opening stockings because of you. And as you look at these children, I asked, I asked the lady who runs, who, who's over the place, I said, what, what are the, what is, it looks like this place some of these kids look like they have no hope, she goes. I said, how long are they here? Are they just a transition center, or, or, or how long are they here? And she goes, well, the, the boy wearing the Patriots hat, he's 18. He's been in the system since he was six years old. And um, there's no hope that he'll ever be adopted. He starts college in January. And um, he'll start college, and he'll be able to live in our, our secondary house where the adult guys live. Uh, until he's 23 and he has to have a job and start saving because at 23, no matter what happens, he's gone. And, and so, and then there was three other little kids that were sitting there and they said, that's a brother and his two sisters. And um, there, there's no hope that their parents ever get them back. No hope for them whatsoever. And there's three of them and they're, they're stuck in the system. They'll be here with us uh, as long until they're adopted. If they're ever adopted. And so there, there's all these 27 kids who have, will be stuck in the center until they're adopted. And all they want for Christmas isn't a present. All they want for Christmas is to be adopted and to have a family. That's all they want. They don't want an eye watch. They don't want even a new pair of shoes. They go barefooted their whole life if they could just have a family. If they could just have one person 
that would give them a hug and say, I love you. That would make their whole day. That would make their whole life. It's just to know somebody wants me. Somebody loves me. But we serve a God who predestined before you were ever born that you wouldn't have to be an orphan. That you wouldn't have to carry around this stuff that makes you a slave. See, when Adam messed up, he immediately wrote a book from cover to cover that covers everything that you need to win. He had a whole book, Arthur, and, and, and his whole entire purpose was to adopt you and to take you as his own. In fact, he loved you so much that he gave his only son to die for us so that we could have life with him for eternity. It was the only way. I'm sure God looked at all the different ways, but he knew only the ultimate sacrifice would pay a price for our sins so that we could commune with him once again. And he did that just for us. He sent his son on this Christmas just for you. And, and we, have a, we have a choice. We, we can choose the gift that he wants to give us, and we can be adopted and become his sons and daughters. Or we can deny him. You know, in life, I was going to bring some presents from the back, and I left them back there. But if I have my arms full of gifts, and I'm walking around, it's hard for me to receive another gift and to take anything more than what's in my arms. Just imagine I, I've got all the gifts that one person could carry. And i got all these things I'm carrying around in my life. You know, we as Christians and we as people who even don't know God, you, you, you carry around all this stuff in life and you'll say, Jesus, I accept you, but I'm holding on to this. It's mine. I'm holding on to all these things. See, God's grace is so good that there wasn't even nothing you had to do to earn it. There wasn't nothing, you, no price you had to pay. He doesn't, ex he doesn't expect these gifts in return. He just wants you to let go of the things that keep you from him. And he wants you to let go so that you can receive the gift that he wants to give you this Christmas. They're going to come up and sing White Christmas, and I'm going to come back and close. I want you to listen to this song as they sing it today. This isn't the tr traditional White Christmas. This is a different version. I want you to stand with me today. And I want you to think about where you stand in your life with, with Jesus and with this gift he's given us. Listen to the words of this song as they sing it. Everything's changed. 
You know, it can be a white Christmas for each and every one of us here today. God wants to do something in your life. Would you just close your eyes with me today? And I want you to just search your heart where you're standing today. And if there's something you need to let go of, I encourage you before the first of the year this year. I know, I know we're having Christmas today. And for the past two weeks, I've talked about the baby Jesus and the wise men and all of that. But today I want to talk about the main reason why he was born. And that was for you. There's something you need to let go of to get closer to him today. I want to encourage you to do that. Just let go of the old and walk into the new and let today be a white Christmas just for you. Because believe it or not, Jesus would have came if all the rest of us weren't here today. And it was just you standing in that seat. He would have came just for you. To give you that absolution and to give you that peace to give you that joy and to redeem you and to make you white as snow. Today, if you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never done that and you want to do that today, I want to give you an opportunity down at this altar to do that today. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come. And as they come, if you need Jesus, maybe, you, maybe you've been saved, maybe you've asked Jesus to come to your heart, maybe there's something that's been keeping you from doing what God wants you to do. Maybe you just feel like you totally haven't been redeemed yet, that there's stuff you're still holding on to, and you just want to let go of it today. Encourage you, come down here, let us pray with you today, and do that. Just let it go. And for once in your life, have a Christmas full of peace, full of joy, white as snow, just like he intended for it to be. I want to bless you as you go today, and uh, I pray that each and every one of you have a, the best Christmas you've ever had and that you spend it with your family. And uh, we pray and hope to see you next week. We love each one of you. Let me pray over you as you go. If you need prayer today, the altars are open. Father, I just thank you, Father, that your blessing is upon them. Everywhere they go, Father, that word favor that we read today, Father, let it be upon them. Let the favor of your sweet Holy Spirit be upon each and every one of them. And let everywhere they go, Father, let that prophetic word that was spoken today, let your glory travel with them, Father. And help them free those that are oppressed. Help them break the rod of the oppressor, Father. And let them be a light in a dark territory, Father. Send them the people they can share your light with. We thank you for today. We thank you for what this season means to us, Father. Your son, your king, wonderful counselor, Holy is his name. We praise you today, Jesus. Thank you for the gift that you were to us in this world. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a Merry Christmas.